welcome to Superfancast. My name is Chris, and I'm joined by Matt, and this is Season 1, Episode 3, Mogwai. Yeah, Chris, I promised myself that I wouldn't make any references to the Gremlins movies, so <laughs> please shut me up if I do. That's all, I've, that's all I've been researching for the last two weeks. Oh, is it? I've got, okay. got, got an hour oh, of Gremlins good. facts. Oh, yes, I'm going to get all five right then. I don't think I've ever seen Gremlins. Have you not? Yeah, it's, genuinely. It's a classic. I know classic it's a classic. Christmas movie. Yeah, I know it's a classic and I know what it's about, but it's just one of those things that I've just never seen. There's quite oh, a lot quality. of those classics that I've never seen. You need to catch up, mate. The Freddy Krueger stuff, I've never seen those. Oh, I've got the uh, I've got the whole box set of Freddy Krueger stuff. Yeah. Who? <laughs> wh- who's Jason? What's he from? Jason is from Friday the 13th. Never seen that. Yeah. Shocking, shocking, mate. I think when, when something's really popular and culty, I get turned a bit off, get a bit yeah. turned off by it. I don't want to watch it. Until yeah. it's not popular anymore. Halloween is a classic. Yeah, they did. There was a new one, wasn't there? This year or last um, year? That was a sequel to the original. Did you see that? So I've seen the original. I've seen the recent sequel, and it's okay. It's all right. I have watched a couple good. of movies in the last two weeks, actually, but not not classics. I've watched. Um, well, I, I listen to the. Do you listen to the Conan O'Brien podcast? No, I don't. It's really good. If you like Conan O'Brien, it's nice. It's called Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. And I like Conan. He's good. And uh, he did an episode with Daniel Radcliffe. And I like Daniel Radcliffe. He's just just a good guy, isn't he? He is. And I think that also everyone thinks of him as Harry Potter because he did Harry Potter for so long. But actually, since Harry Potter ended, he's done a lot of good movies. And he's done really varied roles as well. He's a really versatile actor. I, I, I went to the cinema and saw him... In a movie where he played a corpse. Oh, really? It was it was called Swiss Army Man, I think. And um, <laughs> this this guy w- wakes up on a desert island, and next to him is Daniel Radcliffe, who is a dead body. And the 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 guy who's alive, he carries the corpse around with him as a friend to to help him for emotional <laughs> support. And the corpse helps him survive. So, like the corpse, uh, for example, when they when they're trying to swim. Um, the corpse lets out loads of gas, like massive fart in the water, and then it, <laughs> then they start speeding through the water. And and Daniel Radcliffe, he just flops about. <laughs> it's like, wow, well, this is different. It was definitely a gamble bringing up Daniel Radcliffe, but it paid off. Because yeah, you, had to... <laughs> well, you weren't expecting that, way. I wasn't expecting that. No, I watched a, I watched Escape from Pretoria, which I'd really highly recommend. Cool. Based cool. on a true story about a guy who escaped from prison, he was. He was battling against the apartheid and campaigning against the apartheid and he was imprisoned and um, he had this really awesome escape. So watch okay. that. And then there's a new one out, this just complete a merry trash called Guns Akimbo, where right. Daniel Radcliffe wakes up with guns attached oh, to his hands. Yes, I saw the, the I saw a picture of that. It it's exactly what you expect it to be. It's just cool. it's just it's just two hours of violence and stupidity. I'm sold. <laughs> so that's got Matt written all over it. What have you been listening to the last two weeks? Um, well, besides <laughs> besides trying to get through all of Mogwai's music, which know, right? has been an interesting journey. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the bands I found on well delving through the black hole of YouTube and Spotify. You know when you find a band and you really love the name, and you have to check out the band just because you love the name. Yes. Um, so this band, this band's called Acid Mammoth. So they're a Greek doom metal band. 
Um, the, I mean, they're from Greece. It's a Greek Greek doom isn't the name of the <laughs> Greek genre. Greek doom is. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, a really so they, specific they... type of doom. <laughs> yeah, the Greek kind of doom. So they they sound very similar to Black Sabbath, and well, that's what doom metal is. It's very similar to that kind of early Sabbath stuff. Um, and the 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 two guitarists are father and son, which is nice. And oh, their cool. their album covers have got these weird mammoths and priests with big tusks on them. You know, they've got songs like Tusk of Doom. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm really into them. And there's another band, which I really love, called The Who. Um, <laughs> but listen, no, it's, this is not The Who oh, right, that, okay. that you know. The Who spell H-U. Hey, oh, right. Uh, so they're a Mongolian... Were they before The Who or after The Who? Oh, they're much after. Yeah, okay. they were formed in 2016. They're a Mongolian folk rock band. Oh, I like the sound of that. But they sound they sound heavy metal, but they're playing Mongolian folk instruments. I like the sound like, of that. Like there's a cello that's got a horse's head at the top, and it sounds a bit like when he plays it. And they they do throat singing. Um, their lyrics are like these old Mongolian war poems. Oh, wow. um, and I really dig them. They're really cool. That, cool I'll, that I'll take a listen to, definitely. Yeah, yeah, they're fun. So that's that's who I've been listening to, Acid Mammoth and The Who. How about yourself? Well, I've also been chugging away at Mogwai. There is a lot of Mogwai out there. Yes. Um, they're just non-stop, aren't they? Non-stop making music. So yeah, they need to slow down. They need to give us a break, yeah. They need to slow down let, let everyone catch up. And then I've been listening to uh, Air- oh, I found this band called Ariel. Ariel, who I really like. They've only got a couple of albums. I think they've got. I think they've got a third album out now. So there's, there's three albums since 2004. I think the first one came out. And they are a American shoegaze band. You like the shoegaze, don't you? I do like shoegaze. Yeah, and I'm, it's a it's a genre that's got a lot of rubbish in it. But then occasionally you find something that really works and that's what I'm always looking for and I really like this Ariel the f- well their first album was made up of a bunch of EPs that they released over two years and then they compiled them into an album called Winks and Kisses and that's mm. really good and then they've got they released an album after that called The Battle of Sealand mm. and that's really funny because I don't know the relevance of having Sealand in the title of the album but uh, Sealand is, I don't know if you know, but Sealand or the Principality of Sealand is uh, like an unrecognized micronation. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's like an is old oil like rig a... off the coast of the UK. Yes, I saw this. Yeah, isn't it yeah. got like two people that live there? Two people a live in country. So they're a the little country. So the, the album was called Battle of Sealand. And um, after that was released, I mean, no one's heard of Ariel, so I don't know how the Principality of Sealand heard about this. So they heard about it, and they've um, uh, they've made the the band Ariel. They've made them all lords of Sealand, wow. in recognition for their uh, their contribution to the Principality of Sealand. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. It's weird, but it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I guess you don't need to do very much to become a lord of a nation that's only got two people. Yeah? No, you've only got to please two people, haven't you? Yeah. Just give them a cake. Buy a round of drinks. Yeah. <laughs> round of drinks. <laughs> And then Excellent. I also been listening to to Asian Dub Foundation. Yeah, yeah, you sent me Asian Dub Foundation. Yeah, I sent you that free Reptile Sam because that, well, or Septile Ram, sorry, not Reptile Sam. Reptile Sam. Reptile Sam. I sent you that one because when I was listening to it, I thought, and I'd never thought about it before. That sounds 
such like a, an Asian Rage Against the Machine. And it does really yeah. sound like an Asian Rage Against the Machine. Doesn't it does. It? And they it came does. out about the same time. I think that, so that track was on their second album, which was about 96, I think, 95, 96, which must have been around the time, I don't know much about Rage Against the Machine, but it must have been around the time that they were starting to hit it big. Mm, Rage Against the Machine got big, uh, like early 90s, like 1991, okay. I think. Okay. Um, yeah, maybe it was a bit later. But yeah, I can definitely hear the similarities. I had a, a compilation CD back in about 2005 called World Beat Sessions. Yeah. I don't know who what the label was, but it, yeah, it was just a compilation of, of World Beats, and there was an Asian Dub Foundation track on that. And then I also picked up a, a vinyl single. I don't know, mm. I can't remember what it was, but uh, in my late teens, I, I picked up a couple of Techniques decks and some big speakers, and I used to play music very loud to remind my parents. Um, and so I had a big vinyl collection and I had an Asian Dub Foundation track on vinyl. I can't remember what it was, but I remember it being really good. So I don't know what made me think about them this week. I thought, oh, I'll go back and listen to them. And so I was listening to their first album. I think it's called Facts and Fictions. That's really cool. And then the second album, which I definitely can't remember off the top of my head, but um, that's the one that I sent you. That track that I sent you is off that second yeah. album. Really cool sound. Really cool sound. Really unique. I can't yes. think of anyone else that sounds like them they've taken a few different genres and made it their own and, and run yeah. with it and it works yeah great and that's about it really uh, mogwai has definitely been taking up a lot of time yes yeah the thing is with mogwai well there's lots of things you could say about mogwai but um i found that you can't just sit and listen to it while you're doing other things um yeah. you need to well for me anyway i need to stay still and internalize it because there's lots of um, very subtle things going on in their music, very clever things. And I don't want to miss what they're doing. Um, they're very clever people, um, but it's it's not the kind of music that you can, you know, sit down and, and groove to. It's it's kind of, it's like, it's like emotions and, and uh, dynamics and it just, yeah, it's, it's I'm sounding really uh, profound right now. I don't mean to. Yeah. Um, I, but do, do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've I've got quite a bit to say on it, I think. But yeah, it's very unique the way definitely the listening experience is very unique. It's I wouldn't I don't listen to it in the same way I'd listen to other music. And no. I struggled to you know, with, with Faith No More I could put it on and, and do stuff and have it on in the background and yeah. sing along. I, I guess yeah. some some of it is the fact that it's not got words, so you, you're not drawn in by that and you can't sing along. Yeah. And so just having it on in the background works great as background music but you don't remember it afterwards. No, exactly. And and I don't I don't want to make them background music because I I think that that's not fair on them, yeah. you know. So, Mogwai are a post-rock band from Glasgow that formed around 1995. They don't like the term post-rock, but that's what they are, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so Get over it. <laughs> yeah, get over it a little bit. Uh, they were formed by um, friends Stuart Braithwaite, Dominic Aitkison, and Martin Bullock. And they were later joined by multi-instrumentalist Barry Burns. Since their debut album in 1997, they've gone to release nine more studio albums. I haven't got all the numbers here because there's a lot of numbers, but basically nine more studio albums, um, loads of EPs, mm. and um, a good handful of... Uh, of soundtracks as well so they're amazingly prolific they're just non-stop making music 
yeah. they've also done loads of remix albums as well of their own albums. Mm. Yeah. Their most recent album in 2021 landing straight at number one in the UK album charts. Yeah, impressive. And also impressive, which didn't know at the time of, of writing this note, but we do know now, nominated for the uh, Mercury Music Prize. That's right, yeah. Yeah, I saw that on their Facebook a few mm. days ago. Very A bit like... Uh, I don't know how you'd feel about that as Mogwai because Mercury Music Prize is normally for up-and-coming bands, isn't it? Whereas these guys have been around for 25 years. To be recognised now as up-and-coming, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. But well done to them. Yeah, well done to them, yeah. I, I, I also get the, the sense that they wouldn't really care if they get it or not. Yeah, I think they definitely wouldn't care. They do. <laughs> I don't think they care if anyone listens to their music. No, they... Or, they... Yeah. <laughs> They're just doing what they do and they enjoy it and that's that seems to be what's important to them. Yeah, yeah. And since the second album, I mean, there has been one change that we'll, we'll talk about when we get we get into the into the into the thick of it. But since the second album, really, they've had pretty much the same lineup for twenty odd years. Which yeah, is also pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's that's a real testament to them as people. Yeah. So, did you have prior to this? Did you have any history with Mogwai? Any knowledge of them? Absolutely zero. Um, I'd heard of them, and I saw them on posters for festivals, but I had not heard a single thing about them. I didn't know what they sounded like. I thought they'd be some kind of um, sing-along indie band, maybe dressed up as little fairy creatures. Um, (laughs) There we go. That's number one. Yeah, literally zero. So this was really interesting for me. Really interesting. And and, uh, and I would say as an aside, I guess this episode is a little bit different because... Um, our super fan came to us and said, "Hey, I'm a super fan of Mogwai." Mm-hmm. Rather than us asking for fans of a band that we'd chosen, this was already picked by someone out there. So this was interesting for me, and I'm guessing it was for you as well. Looking at a band that that we, I guess, we wouldn't have chosen. Yeah, I'd so I don't know how it has happened, but I had never heard of Mogwai. Mm. I've, I've never heard of them at all. And and after looking into them, I'm wondering like, how has that happened? How have I managed to miss these guys? Yeah. Because yeah, as I say, they've they've done so much, and they've not. I, I wouldn't say they've fallen under the radar. I know that their most recent album was there is very successful, but they, you know they've had plenty of success in the past. And yeah, I don't know how I missed it, but yeah, I'd never heard of them. Couldn't have told you when um, when our superfan came to us when John came to us. Uh, and mentioned Mogwai, I had I had zero knowledge of what it was going to be the, the genre. Mm. I didn't even know what genre it was. Um, so yeah, so a bit of a short section here, but yeah, I just didn't know. So <laughs> it's all it's all, all new to me. And happy, really happy that that someone came to us with a suggestion. Yeah. Um, so please do. May it happen more often. May it indeed. Should we get into uh, into quiz time? Oh, go on then. Let's do it. <laughs> Okay, so the rules are the same as always. I'll ask five questions to help us discover a bit more about the band, and then we're then going to be asking those five questions to self-proclaimed superfan to find out if they are a fan or a fraud. Today's superfan is John from Christchurch, who we're going to meet a little bit later. New gonna, Zealand. Christchurch, New Zealand, yeah. not 
Oh, there's a Christchurch here as well, isn't there? Mm. Yep, sorry, yeah, he's John from Christchurch, New Zealand. We're an international podcast. Yeah, we've we've done three episodes and we're already in three different continents. This, we're out of control. Someone's crazy. Someone put the brakes on. When are we are we going to have someone from Africa soon? Yeah, someone from the moon by episode six. From the moon. Yeah, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> so five or more points and Matt will be able to call himself a super fan of Mogwai. It's not going to happen. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. It's not, it doesn't give you any <laughs> tangible benefits, no financial gains or street cred or anything like that. It's just, uh, you just become super fan Matt. It might do with Mogwai fans. Well, I think they'd appreciate it. I think, they, I think they're too cool. <laughs> I just got to say that um, two weeks, it's, it's, it feels like ages since we last recorded, but two yeah. weeks, it feels like I, I, you know, I need so much more time to learn about this band Yeah, because they seem like quite private people. But yet they have so much music to listen to. It's kind of it's trying to to take as much as I can in, and uh, half of it's probably left my head. Um, but it's been a fun time setting himself up. Yeah. So question but... one: Whose concert was Stuart and Dominic at when they met? Uh, was it? Oh, was it Arab Strap? Oh, it wasn't Arab Strap. I thought you were going to mm. get it. Then you sounded like you were just digging around in the back of your brain. It was Ned's Atomic Dustbin. <laughs> I've never <laughs> even heard of them. No, I'd never I really, heard of I'd never I heard miss of that. that is, that's one of the best band names I've ever heard. Ned's Atomic Dustbin, yeah. Um, Did you, have you they listened were to after, them? Yeah, I've listened to them, yeah, yeah. They were, um, oh, they're still going, actually. I, I saw, I watched on YouTube uh, a concert in Glasgow in 2019. They can't be young boys now, they must be... I don't know. I'm mm. guessing they're around their fifties or something. There's not a lot of information about them online. They're not super well known, so I couldn't I couldn't get a vibe of how old they are. But yeah, they've been going around a long time. They're sort of you know their Wikipedia page says they're a Grebo band, but in all honesty, I don't know what that means. Um, what I would describe them as is you know sort of nineties and two thousands West Coast American ska punk with yes. lots of trumpets like Less Than Jake that kind of yeah. They kind of sound like that, but without the brass. So if you take okay. away the trumpets and you add an English accent, that's kind of what they sound like. They're good. They're pretty cool. They're, they're quite unique for an English band. Right. It sounds sounds unique. Yeah. Okay. So, I'll check them out. Yeah. Give them, give them a listen. So yeah, Stuart and Dominic were, I think they were like 14, 15 years old when they were, they both went to an Ed's Atomic Dustbin gig in Glasgow, um, met each other there and, and went on to be good friends. And it was four years later. So I think they were about the age of 19 when they formed Mogwai with Martin Bullock on drums, who went to school with one of them. I don't know who he went to school with. And that's part of the thing, like you said, they are quite private. There's, I mean, there's so much music out there by them and you plenty mm. of information on their music, but actually getting information on their private lives is not super easy. Yeah, it'd be hard to be a stalker for them. I think it would. Just give it up. Not only for the fact that you'd probably get your head kicked in by one of them if you stalked them. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> like Stuart definitely likes to portray that image, I think. <laughs> I think he's just a very, very confident chap who, you know, who, who knows what he thinks about things. Yeah, I think they're quite proud of that Glasgow image as well. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. But they, you know, they seem canny. I don't really know what that means. What does, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I've been in the north, uh, northeast too long. Um, it just means, you know, easy to get on with. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, they seem easy to get on with. Um, I like Barry, who we hadn't even mentioned actually yet. So at this point, so Martin joined them when they formed. Then the mysterious John Cummings was brought in just prior to the release of Tuna. 
I call him the yes. mysterious John Cummings because he was in the band until 2015, but yeah, you don't see much of him. Like he's, you know, when people think of, well, I don't know, I've only known them for two weeks, but I think that when people think of Mogwai, they think of you know Stuart, Dominic, Martin, and Barry, but yeah. but John was there for. 10, 11 years. Yeah. They also had um, Brendan O'Hare. Yeah, not sure what he did. <laughs> I'm not sure what he contributed. He was in the first album. Yeah, but what did he do in the first album? He's credited on the Mogwai Young team as doing the cover art and photography. But I'm sorry, if you do the cover art and photography, you're not in the band. No, he didn't. <laughs> I'm sure he did other things. Hang on a second. Let's look this up. Yeah. If you know what Brendan O'Hare did, please write into the show. Brendan O'Hare, piano, guitar. Okay, so he featured on a few tunes with piano and guitar. Yes. He did also do the cover art and photography. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Do you know why Brendan O'Hare was kicked out of the band? He was talking during a performance of a... Of a yeah, Arab Strap. Arab Strap. Yeah, he, was, he talked through an Arab Strap show and so they kicked him out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a bit harsh. Yeah, but again, like, I mean, you can find a new photographer, can't you? So Brendan O'Hare, for you know, I'm sure he was amazing. He was essentially replaced by by Barry Burns. Um, yeah, he's a very clever chap. Yeah, who is a very clever chap and, and adds a lot to to Mogwai. I mean, Barry also sessioned on on the first album. So really, Barry has been there from the very beginning. He, yeah, and I think he's quite an important part of the Mogwai sound. Yeah, well, he's a uh, he can play a lot of instruments. Mm. He really knows his stuff. He went to the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama. Yeah. Um and uh, and apparently he's the only one who who has a good understanding of music theory. Yeah, I think he's um, the only one that or he claims to be the only one that's had any any sort of formal training. Yeah. But as a as a musician I find that really incredible because they all sound like they've been trained up in so much harmony and theory and mm. um knowledge because they you know they have very interesting intricate music. Yeah, I think like you know, I feel a little bit envious of musicians that <laughs> can do that without knowing the theory. Yeah, at least not not in a formal way. I'm sure you know. Obviously, they know the theory in a practical sense. Do you think though? I hadn't really thought about it till now, but I mean, the the Mogwai sound is really a combination of all their sound. That that's what puts it's the layers of of sound, isn't it? And do you think individually they are uh, amazing musicians? I'm not saying anything you know against their musical ability, but do you think as individuals they are yeah, impressive musicians as individuals. Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, there's there's different ways of seeing it because a musician can be seen as incredibly talented because of how technical they can play and you know how much they can do, but also um, how they contribute to an overall ensemble. Mm. So the way that they work together and they play in a way that is so appropriate to the overall sound you know it's not like this one person is standing out like with this massive ego this great solo or this really good riff they're all contributing to one sound yeah working so well together and and that ensemble skill is really really clever really important yeah and that's that's what mogwai do well and that's a sign of a good that's a sign of a good musician so to me they are fantastic musicians even for that um, obviously, they they are very technically gifted, and there are bits which are, which really sound nice. But I, you know, I don't doubt that they are fantastic musicians because of how well they sync together. Um, sometimes, you know, the the way that the dynamics go up and down, and sometimes they stop all together and then they come in at the exact same time. Yeah. And it's it's just like 
it's like magic. It's it's incredible. And that thing you say about ego, I mean, I really don't think musically in their music there's there's no um, there's none of that. There's no one in the band that that needs to be in in the limelight. You know, everyone depending on whatever the song needs is is who who is prominent in that particular song. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They're very fluid, very fluid, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, th- I think that's that's. That's definitely very impressive. So yeah, that first album. The, so just to, for clarity, Barry did, provided vocals for um, "Yes, I'm a Long Way from Home," and he may have done some other stuff on the album as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. he's he's really been there since the start. He just wasn't officially brought on as a as a member of the band. Yeah. Until the second album. There's some interesting vocals on the first album. I mean, it's it's recordings of people talking mm. but it, it's 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 quite strange stuff isn't it have you have you looked at it i've listened to young team quite a few times um but i haven't looked into where the vocals are coming from like the song katrian that's the third track of the album it's it's a lady who's basically just talking gibberish so she's talking about like i think she's talking about sasquatch and <laughs> like i've been reading about and looking at pictures of yetis from various parts of the globe pakistan china and malaysia in the distance, Napoleon shoots the nose off the Sphinx. <laughs> Last time I was reading random books, I met an interesting man named Frederick. Told me that many people die too late and few too early. <laughs> Stuff like that. It's just a person talking about like weird, profound things that don't actually make any sense. Yeah, I was listening to an interview with Barry, and and he was saying that you know how, how do you decide what songs need vocals and you know mm. where do the vocals come in in the journey of, of writing the track? And he said they tend to write everything as an instrumental. And then yeah. you know afterwards they'll think mm, this needs something, but this needs some some voices to give it that extra extra kick, and so that's when yeah. they they try and find some vocal to put on top. So it's never it's never the other way around. No songs are written as this is going to be. You know, we're going to have vocals on this. Mm. It's always yeah. an afterthought to, because they think something's missing and an instrument isn't gonna isn't gonna cut the mustard. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of seeing vocals as basically another instrument. Yeah, yeah. Which the, which they are, but they are, you know yeah. what I mean. It's a different way of way of approaching it. Yeah. Oh, sorry, mate. Zero points so far. Zero but, um, points. This I thought is... you were going to get that one. Oh, sorry, mate. That's all right. Second <laughs> one. Is that the easiest one? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's like it's kind of like my Faith No More questions in that because I didn't know the band that well. I did. I obviously knew Faith No More, but I didn't know them that well. And the Mogwai, I didn't know at all. So I don't really know if these are hard or if these are very obvious to people that like Mogwai. Well, I already know how John the Superfan did, but you'll find out um, a bit later how he did. And I guess that's the benchmark, isn't it? But uh, anyway, yeah. question two. What was the name of the documentary Mogwai performed a live score of in Hiroshima in 2016? Oh, my God. Uh, a, a soundtrack. It so is wait, a soundtrack, just... yeah. So they performed yeah. a live score of it, as in they showed the, the movie... And Mogwai oh. were there and performed the soundtrack live. Oh my goodness! Right, so I'm just I'm just thinking out loud. So they did Atomic. Well, no, this isn't my answer, but I'm just thinking. They did Atomic, which is the documentary about atomic energy. Um, they did the documentary about Zidane. Um, oh, which one? I'm gonna say it's the the portrait of Zidane. Oh Matt, it's Atomic living in dread. Oh, it was Promise. Atomic. Ah, oh, mate. Yeah. 
And that's, that, that's why in the question I asked, what was the name of the documentary they performed a live score of in Hiroshima in 2016? Of course, Hiroshima. Yes, yes, because that is part of the part of the documentary, yeah. isn't it? I don't know why I went for Zizan. That's, that's, that's all right. That was, oh. We can pretend you got the point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they, they went... I mean, they performed at lots of different places, but I thought it was interesting to raise that one um, as part of the question that they performed it in Hiroshima. Of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I saw an interview yeah. with, with Stuart Braithwaite uh, talking about it, talking about that particular performance in Hiroshima, because I haven't seen the documentary, so I don't know how sensitive it is or insensitive it is, but he was obviously... Him and the band were obviously a little bit nervous about doing it there because of you know, sensitivities. And but yeah, regardless of what documentary it is, I think it'd be really cool to see a live score of anything. I didn't even know bands did that, to be honest. If that is a thing that they do, well, I, I mean, bands generally don't provide do the soundtrack. Soundtrack, yeah. Um, I mean, orchestras do. You, you know, you can you get uh, live performances of orchestras playing alongside to Star Wars and oh, Lord of the you? Rings, and yeah, like the London Symphony Orchestra did did that for a bunch of John Williams scored films oh that's awesome yeah i'd like yeah. to see that yeah yeah definitely yeah um and i'm gutted i got that wrong because because it it makes absolute perfect sense and i should have yeah. just thought about it for a second Sorry, bud. yeah but it, it does seem like an interesting documentary mm. talk about all sorts of stuff like i want to talk about like the atomic bomb and the uh chernobyl disaster i think yeah yeah i wonder yeah. how they pick what topic what soundtracks are going to take because i'm sure there's some stuff they turn down i can't assume that you know they've said yes to everything that they've been offered but yeah, it's been quite varied. Um, yeah. Zidane documentary, This Atomic, they did that French, was it? Zombie series? The Revenants. Revenants, Le Revenants, yeah. The Returned, which looks, which looks like quite an interesting program, actually. It's, it's, it's about a town where the dead people come back to life, but they're not like zombies in the usual sense. They're, they're basically like ordinary people, and they try and live out their lives. All right. Back to how they were before they died. But obviously, that's that causes a lot of drama and interesting storylines. But that music's look really nice, really atmospheric. Yeah, I haven't and, listened um, to that one actually. Yeah, and apparently they um, they only read like one of the scripts translated, um, <laughs> but before they recorded the whole album. But they just they just they just sat down and was like, right, we're going to make a mood. Here's the mood. Mm. And that's that's the album. I think soundtracks are definitely it suits Mogwai their sound. And by the sounds of things, their approach to music as well. It really suits what they're doing. Yeah. What, um, what other soundtracks do they do? I don't know about soundtracks, but I do know that, I mean, their songs have been featured in a lot of TV shows and, and adverts and things <clears throat> like that. Uh, there's a, I'm just, I'm just thinking, um, there was a show, I think it was on Sky, called Zero Zero Zero. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It was about drug smugglers. Uh, so, so they did music for that. There's, there's a film called Kin, which is a sci-fi film apparently is absolutely terrible yeah it had awful news <laughs> that one didn't it but but i can't remember who in the band said that they would be they'd really been excited about doing a sci-fi movie they wanted to do a sci-fi movie so it's a shame that it did badly because because <laughs> that was yeah. something they desperately wanted to do yeah it would suit them and then and, and um i don't i don't quite understand what they did for the fountain you know the fountain the fountains are it's like a fantasy film um with hugh oh, jackman right. um, oh, no, i don't know that i remember it coming out and it's it's very trippy, very strange. But I'm not sure if they wrote music for it or they just performed on it. All oh, right, no, I haven't heard of that one. What was the documentary about? Global warming. They they teamed up with Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, loads of people. Um, oh God, that's that's a good question. It's good content, isn't it? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's both think a little bit longer. Before the flood. Before the flood. Okay. And I also didn't listen to that one. Maybe I should take a listen to that because that'd be interesting to if if it was when they say teamed up with Trent Reznor. Does that mean that Trent Reznor provided some content and they provided some content, or they worked together? I think they did tracks each. Okay. Oh, okay. Rather than work together. That would be cool if they teamed up. Yeah, that'd be mental. Just about on Atomic, so they originally scored the documentary and then they reworked it into an album. So that was the first recording they did, the first studio album they produced that didn't have John Cummings. Right, okay. Yeah. But they did bring in a bunch of other folk for that for that album. And they do for most albums, actually, don't they? So for that, for Atomic, they brought in some horns and violin, some session yeah. musicians for that. It's really good, really good album. They have guest musicians on pretty much everything. Yeah. Flute, yeah. violin, vocals, horns. Yeah, they have some interesting um, guest vocalists. Yeah, who do you have? On oh, one of their albums, they've got um, the vocalist from a Japanese screamo band called Envy. Oh, oh right, no, yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah, the, um, what's his name? Tets- Tetsuya Fuka- Fukugama? Fukugawa? Okay. Sorry, anyone out there is Japanese. Yeah, <laughs> um, they also had the lead singer of the, f- oh, what are they called, the Fairy Animals? Oh, Super Fairy Animals. Oh, right. Super yes, Animals, yeah, yeah, they did, yeah. yeah and they've also had in... Aidan Moffat from Arab Strap. Um, yeah. On Hardcore Will Never Die, they had, they had quite a few guest vocals on that, but one of the guest vocals on it was Kate Braithwaite, who I know is not the name of his wife, so I'm guessing it's his older sister. Oh. Providing some okay. of the vocals. Nice. What was I going to say? Critics. Mogwai really like, uh, I mean, critics rather. Mogwai like the critics. Critics really like Mogwai. <laughs> I was uh, just looking back at, at, at like all their albums, and they've all been really well received. Yeah. It's very impressive. Yeah, you know, I don't think you know. As the love continues, it's not even the best of all their albums. That's not necessarily the one that receives the best reviews, even though that's the one that hit number one and has mm. has given them all the recognition. So I I saw an there was an interview with Stuart Braithwaite where he was asked what's the worst review you've ever received, and he mm. said that there was once a review in Melody Maker that said, uh, "Listen to the album; it sounds good, but what's the point?" <laughs> oh. And I think Gosh. if that's the worst review you could think of. You've done pretty well. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. But I kind of get what that review means. Yeah, the, I do, I do. In that um, it is good, it is impressive, but a lot of the time it doesn't, I don't feel it goes anywhere. I do kind of think, what was, what, what was that? Yeah, sometimes <laughs> sometimes it feels like this is, this is like art, you know, yeah. this is something that people can listen to and just interpret how they want. I think also critics tend to listen to an album once. You know, they'll receive a lot of albums on their desk. They'll yeah. listen to it once. And, you know, if you listen to a, a lot of Mogwai albums, if you listen to them once, there's no crescendo. There's no you know, mm. big final finish. And it can seem that there's a bit of lack of direction. And so it's not going to stick with you. You know, one album that uh, sort of Happy People, oh, I can't remember the full name of the album, um, happy songs for happy people. Happy songs for happy people. I mean, that one I listened to three or four times in a row, and I just couldn't. Mm. Yeah, I didn't get it. I couldn't get where it was going or what it was doing, and mm. I couldn't, you know, listen to it, listening to it without looking at your playlist. I couldn't really differentiate where one track ended or one track started. Yeah. Um, but then, but then, and I it's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad. Like it's just get that out. It's not bad music. It's just I do understand the kind of the what's the point perspective that Melody Maker had. Yeah, I get where they're coming from, but 
you know, I, I still can appreciate it. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I would say one thing about Happy Songs for Happy People, um, just as an aside, which I thought was really cool. One of their ways of marketing um, was that they released a couple of tracks. No, what did they do? They When they when they released it, it was uh, with a demo of, I believe it was Cubase uh, music software. All right. And it came with a couple of tracks that you, from the album that you could actually edit and remix oh, cool. on Cubase. Oh, that's so cool. So it was it was like an advert for Cubase, I guess. But also you could remix Mogwai's music and mess around with it. Yeah, that's really cool. That's great. That's so clever. I yeah. love that stuff. And I think I think also just back to to my um, my scathing review there, it kind of that kind of plays into why I really like their soundtrack work it gives mm. it a purpose as well and I kind of prefer that than sitting down listening to I mean it's not always the case there are some albums by Mogwai that I really like the, the whole sound of but I would say the majority of their studio albums I'm not going to sit down and listen to them cover to cover but no but then also um, I'm sure it's very different watching them live yeah you uh, know when you when there's a sound that's that's playing in front of you and it's all around you and, and it's like a shared experience with people yeah um, there's, there's something very powerful about that yeah all right i'm getting very i'm getting very profound in this episode i'm i'm you sorry everybody. Cal- calm down mate turn it down yeah. i know i know so you got that you got that wrong didn't you yeah you got that wrong as well <laughs> so we're on question three sorry i had to remind myself question, question three. three question three come on matt come on dig into those notes who in the band owns the berlin bar das gift uh the yes um this I believe is a Barry Burns. It is Barry Burns. Yes. Oh, well done, yes. mate. He has a bar in Berlin with his was it with his wife? Yeah, with his wife and his daughter. He's got yeah. a daughter now who's been born and raised in Germany. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So she's German. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. They moved yeah. over there two thousand and nine to get away from Scotland for a bit. He said. All uh, oh, right. And so they, I don't think they put much thought into going to Berlin. They think they just picked Berlin and went. Let's go there for a bit and didn't plan on buying a bar they just went to check out another city to get away from get away from scotland and they loved it and and he's yeah been there ever since and they got this bar that's pretty reasonably you know it pays the bills i don't don't think it's making the millions but it does add another uh, it does add some some difficulties for for mogwai obviously because uh, he's in germany and the other guys are much closer yeah i know that for as the love continues they wrote and rehearsed everything remotely yeah yeah and i think for a lot of the prior albums since 2009 barry's work has certainly had that aspect to a certain degree because of because of his location yeah i know the the producer he was um producing remotely (laughs) from from the states yeah how weird uh, is that and they also had, and I also think he was producing the string players who were in somewhere in Europe. They were recording there while he was in the States directing them. And then yeah. they sent that to the, to the guys. Yeah. That's the, the magic of um, the pandemic. You know, you, you have a global effort <laughs> putting music together. Yeah. But they did very well to put an album together and their most successful album um, yeah. and you know, put it together, record it and release it during that time. Not, a lot of bands have, have postponed that, not, not produced to the same standard that they have done previously and they've done, and Mogwai have, have broken the mould, so well done to them. Yeah, absolutely. I think, it's a, I think it's a really good album, actually. Yeah, 
Uh, I, re- I really enjoy it. Uh, it's definitely it's much more commercial. It's got a more accessible sound yeah. to it. There's there's much more individuality to the tracks yeah. than they've had in previous yeah. albums. It's very clean production as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. On Das Gift, so uh, I think Das Gift is a thoroughly Scottish experience. Das they sell, Gift. Yeah, the, the bar. Berlin's bar. Berlin's oh, right bar? Here. Barry's bar. <laughs> <laughs> Barry Burns from Berlin. They sell um, Iron Brew. They sell haggis oh, and black pudding, neeps and tatties. Really? I don't know what neeps and tatties are. What are they? Do you know? Oh goodness, it's um, it's it's just uh, so neeps is short for turnips. Oh. Um, and in Scotland, turnips is are what they call Swede. So oh right. Swede. Okay. What are they called? Turnips. That's a good question. I don't know. I don't think they eat turnips. <laughs> they just don't exist. So you just um, don't have a name for it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't That's eat medicine, but I've still got a name for it. For those who don't know, I live in the on the Scottish border, so neeps and tatties are everywhere. They're <laughs> just just everywhere. Line the streets with <laughs> neeps and tatties. Um, so it's it's and tatties is potatoes. Yeah. So it's haggis, uh, swede, and mashed potato. It's like three right. three blobs of food on a plate, <laughs> yeah. um, and that that is and with some gravy, and that's like. Proper good food. Well, you can get that at Desk Gift next time you're in Berlin. Oh, I have to go. They also had a jukebox that featured, among other things... I mean, it's broken now, the jukebox, I think. But they had a jukebox that featured, among other things, Irvin Welsh. I don't know what Irvin Welsh was doing on a jukebox, whether he was just doing some spoken word or something. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Definitely. They've they've tried to inject as much Scotland into it as possible by the sounds of things. Nice, nice. Have to check it out. Yeah, they've got quite a lot of national pride, haven't they, as a band? They're very proud to be Scottish. Yeah, well, good for them. And they're very into Celtic Football Club. Yeah, well, if you're, if you're from Glasgow, you kind of got to pick a side, really, haven't you? Mm. Oh, yeah, but they're very much picked Celtic. I think uh, I think it's, um, yeah, it's ingrained in all of them. I, I read somewhere that, I read that in the 90s, they had a website, and they were doing a, they were doing a gig one night, and they left a comment up on their website asking if one of the fans, um, if they could tape the game for them. And they also, I, I don't know what name, I don't know what track, but I've read that they named at least one song after the manager of Celtic. Um, I know they, they named a song after a Scottish referee. Oh, right. Okay. Quite a prolific referee. <laughs> yeah, so they, they did a song called Hugh Dallas, which is on the re-release of the album Come On Die Young. And... Hugh Dallas was a Scottish referee who made some pretty uh, controversial decisions on the pitch, which uh, made people very angry. It made uh, the Scottish angry, or it made people um, who weren't from Scotland. Angry. No, other 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 countries angry. Right. Um, yeah, and 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 he was, you know, he, he was he was quite prolific though. You know, he he, he did a game to, uh, Celtic versus Rangers, and and then there was some kind of. Uh, something going on with the fans. So they were throwing things at his head and then people were throwing stuff at his house, oh, like wow. a brick for his window. People get very passionate about football. Oh, wow. Yeah, so anyway, that's that's their football reference. And they also dislike the Empire quite a bit, which takes on a number of different forms. But one of them is Britpop. They really dislike Britpop quite mm, intensely. Yeah, well, um, sh- <laughs> I think they had a shirt that said, Blur a shite. <laughs> Yeah, they've brought out the Blur R shite shirts twice. Yeah. In 1999, at Tea in the Park, they wore and sold, <laughs> they were selling Blur equal, oh no, so it's Blur colon R shite. Yeah. And, uh, and I've got quite a long quote here, 
from Stuart Braithwaite, but I'll read it. So he said, we decided to proclaim our dislike of one of the weakest bands on the planet by putting out these shirts. We sold out in day one and the super furry animals and pavement have put in an order for more. <laughs> the thing about the shirt is it's like a dictionary definition. Blur, our shite. Yeah. <laughs> it's factual. And if there's any legal problems, I'll go to court as someone who studied music so can prove they are shite. Yeah. And then yeah. I think 2005, they, they reintroduced the Blur, our shite t-shirts because Blur announced that they were going to reform. Wow. I wonder if Blur have made a comment on it at all. Blur have never retaliated. I think I did read some comments, but I haven't written them down here. But they were fairly, oh, we don't really care. I think. Yeah. One article wrote about writing about the feud said that <laughs> referred to Stuart Braithwaite as Mogwai's mouthy Glaswegian frontman. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. He did say to the public once that Sting should drink cyanide. Oh wow! Yeah, he's got a I few don't... things to say, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's a nice guy, you know, but he's very, he's very outspoken. He's very outspoken. And, uh, I'm sure that's a big part of uh, his appeal. Yeah, he's very, very for um, Scottish independence. He does a lot mm-hmm. for Scottish independence, campaigning for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get the facts wrong here. So yeah, any Mogwai fans probably know about this already, so I don't need to go into it. But his his mum or his dad was a nice. big prominent figure in the Scottish independence campaigns. Um, okay. So he grew up knowing about that and in, in sort of that world yeah interesting about his dad his dad actually was involved oh his dad was a artist and was involved in putting some standing stones uh in glasgow it's like a, a, a standing stone circle his dad was involved in putting that up mm, yeah. oh, right. the, the site hill stone circle oh right yeah that's an obscure fact it is an obscure fact why yeah. didn't i write a question about that <laughs> Um, well, what, what what could the question be? Do you want to answer question four? <laughs> Is it about the, the site Hillstone Circle? Because <laughs> I feel confident. We'll have to find out. So you're on one one point so far. Okay. You got you got das Gift. Do you know what das Gift means? The gift. No, it means the poison. Ah, the poison. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So question four: What is the name of the studio in Glasgow set up by Mogwai? Is this the Castle of Doom? Yes, it's yes. the Castle of Doom. Yes. I couldn't forget that. It's a very memorable name for a recording studio, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that it's like this massive Count Dracula castle on top of a mountain and there's like lightning behind it. It sounds bats like it's flying around. But it's Is just it... like a, a really fancy, fancy building with some really lovely gear in there. You can look it on their website. Yeah, the website's a bit weird, though, because it's not been updated in a number of years. Doesn't doesn't tell you much about it. It's so it is a recording studio set up set up by Mogwai and producer Tony Dugan. They they yes. put it together in two thousand and five. I don't know how involved Mogwai are now. I guess maybe they're, they're major stakeholders in it or something, but I don't know that involved in the studio. Tony Dugan has produced a lot of music for Mogwai mm-hmm. since their second album. He's been very involved with them. He was involved in the most recent album, not as a producer but as a mixing engineer, I believe. He's mixed and produced a lot of. Bell and Sebastian, some other Scottish stuff. But uh, yeah, it's the, it's their venture. Mogwai and Tony Dugan, I guess they were friends. They'd worked together and they decided to do this. They did have a link. They have a link. Sorry, another point about their website. So yeah, it's not been updated in a number of years. Uh, I'm sure it's still in operation, but they just need to update their website. They have a link to their My- MySpace page. <laughs> which, oh, wow. That's... Which I clicked on and I guess MySpace doesn't 
isn't on anymore, so it just kind of takes you through to an error. Uh, that tells you a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> but yeah, come on. Here's our MySpace your, page, God. Sort your website out, guys, come on. <laughs> so yeah, Tony wasn't, the, he didn't produce the last two albums. They brought in Dave Fridman, and so he's the one that, as you say, he, he produced them remotely from his house in the US, mm. or As the Love Continues. It wasn't the plan, though. They did plan on recording that album in, in the US. So they'd been right. They'd been preparing for an album since 2019, and so they they thought they were going to record in the US, and then COVID hit, and so that's how it panned out that way. But Dave mm. Fridman has been he's been involved with the band for a long time as well. They they seem to stick with people they like, um, yeah. and I guess that goes with that contributes to the fact that they do have a very consistent sound. Uh, if you listen to yeah. their early albums and you listen to their later stuff, it doesn't you wouldn't necessarily know there's decades in between them. No, no, that's true. That's true. They do add more synthesizers in certain albums, and piano and things yeah. like that. But je- yeah, you're right. There is a very consistent sound. Mm. Dave Fridman was uh, he was the bassist for Mercury Rev in the '90s, and then he gave up. Get, well, I don't know if he gave up Mercury Rev. But maybe he still plays with them on occasion, but he certainly stopped being a prominent member of the band so that he could focus on producing. And then he's gone on to produce well Mercury Rev stuff, MGMT. He produced their albums. Oh, and really? To pull okay. the Flaming Lips. Yeah. So he's been he's been quite yeah he's had quite a good career. He's done lots of Flaming Lips. Yeah. Mm. And they also didn't record at the Castle of Doom. The last two studio records. Oh, did they not? No. So the the last the one they did during COVID they recorded uh, in the UK in in the UK in England I should say at Vada Studios. That was, a, that was a very that was a very political. Um, <laughs> correction there. yeah because i felt like we're talking about scotland so much in this episode i can't keep referring to england as the uk can i <laughs> <laughs> it's a very passionate topic yeah they recorded um, vada studios for that so i don't know what the decision is on why they wouldn't use castle of doom or why they've chosen to record elsewhere i don't know maybe they're they're trying to to build up you know the the scottish music scene by mm. giving them a really good studio yeah yeah because plenty of other scottish bands record there it's not just yeah. A, it's not just a um, it's not just a Mogwai thing. But yeah, I, I couldn't forget the Castle of Doom recording studio name. Yeah, that's a pretty it's awesome great. name, isn't it? Yeah, it sounds like Skeletor lives there. Skeletor's <laughs> there on the mixing desk. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a giant there's a giant pipe organ. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like smoke coming out of it. Sorry, I'm 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 letting myself get away with this down. idea. Calm down. <laughs> And as well as setting up their own studio, they also set up their own label really early on. Yeah. Rock Action Records. Rock Action, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's a bit weird, Rock Action, because they haven't... I mean, they set up their label, but they haven't consistently released music on it. Um, I mean, I'm, maybe Unless it's... I'm wrong, but I don't think they have. I know that the last four records have been released on Rock Action, but the label has been around since the 90s, I think. Yeah. I mean, some, some artists, they, they set up their own label so that they just have more... Um, Options. say in what they do more control but good um, on them they know what they want yeah. and they know how to get it and they um they're doing their own thing they've got their own label they've got their own studio uh, and these aren't things that have come about after making millions and you know th- these are things that they they got involved in very early on so yeah good on them yeah absolutely so you're two two out of four you've pulled it back you're 50 percent. okay okay it's um okay yeah. <laughs> you're still on the edge are you yeah, well, it's I've matched my Supergrass score. What was that? Was that two out of five? That was that was two out of five. Yeah. Okay. Well, you could still you could still beat that with with question five. Okay, I'm not optimistic, but go for it. Have some more. Have more faith in yourself. 
So question five. They, oh, I would say, I would say no. Also, just remember that you know they they did record. Um, did you say this already? They recorded in New York for what? For some of their albums, like Rock Action album. Oh, just generally for New some York. of their albums. Yeah, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, Carbox Road Studios. Well, I know that as the love continues, I know their plan was to record in the U.S. I don't know if that was going to be in, in New York, but I know I think their plan was to record in the U.S. And it must, things it must didn't. have been. I think that's where Dave Fridman is based. Anyway, question five. <laughs> nice smooth transition. So, question five: Repelish on rave tapes. Uh, the track's called Repelish. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correct. Repelish, Repelish. Oh goodness! On rave tapes. Features the Reverend Lee Cohen reviewing which song? Oh my goodness! If you think oh. if you think about it, you might be able to figure it out based off the question. Reviewing one of their songs. Mm. The Reverend Lee Cohen is reviewing a song. It's his voice oh, reviewing you. a song. Is this is this my father, my king? Is that on rave tapes? It, no. Oh no, it's not. No. Reverend Lee Cohen. So he's obviously a religious man. Uh, what's oh, the is kind it, no, of song? No, is it is it about is it the one about Satan? McGuire it is about Satan. Satan. Yeah, it is about Satan. It's not McGuire that. The song, Satan. No, it's not that. The song is called Repellish. But yeah. it is about Satan, the song. And, but the, 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 the voice on the song, he's yeah. reviewing a song, a famous song. He's talking about this famous song and how when you play it backwards. Oh, right. No, I misunderstood the question. Right. You might have to start this again. Um, no, no, no. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> I thought you meant he's reviewing a Mogwai song. I know what you thought, but that's not what I said. <laughs> is it... Um, I said oh, Repelish on Rave Tapes features the Reverend Lee Cohen reviewing which song? Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, Stairway to Heaven. I don't know. Cause it's, is that, did you get that? Did you get that point? Yes, I did. <laughs> right, okay. No discussion about it. You did. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember the song? Vaguely. Oh, what? Stairway to Heaven? No, I know you remember Stairway to Heaven. Do you remember Repelish? <laughs> yeah. Um, vaguely, vaguely. Yeah. So, what does he say about it? He says he starts off saying, um, you know, he's listening to this tape of music, and then this song comes on, "Stairway to Heaven" by Led Zeppelin, which he understands is one of the most famous rock songs. But what people don't know is if you if you play it backwards, there's subliminal messages in there. Um, and he starts mm. playing it backwards, and he's saying they're talking about you know, hail Satan and all this. And, but so there's an interesting story about it. So the Reverend Lee Cohen is a real person. He is a friend of the band, so he's a friend of Mogwai's, and um, okay. it's not his words he's talking. So they heard this this review of, of Stairway to Heaven on a Christian mm. radio station broadcast in the US. Uh, it's, right. So it's a real thing, but yeah. they and they planned on using that for the song, but then they were worried that, they th- <laughs> I read somewhere, they, they said that um, Christians are crazy, and they thought that if, if they include that in the song, then someone is going to sue them or something like that. So so instead, they spoke to their friend, Reverend Lee Cohen, who has also appeared on some other songs by them, to to read out the transcript of that of that Christian radio station broadcast. Okay, okay. So he's just reading what yeah. someone else said. Right? Exactly, yeah. So that's how, they, okay. that's how they got around being sued by the Christians. That's clever, that's clever. Yeah. But I really like Rave Tapes. I think of all, it's probably my favourite album. Yeah, I, I I didn't listen to it very much as well, not as much as as other ones. But I will give it a go. It's a bit of a yeah, Barry they... show in a lot of places. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah so he cover. said he said he picked up an analog synth just before the recording of Rave Tapes, or just before the the writing of Rave Tapes, 
And so it's quite heavy usage of that on there. That's cool. That's cool. And this has got a heavier sound and a lot more variety in the sound. Quite a few tracks with vocals on and, and rave tapes in different forms. Hmm. Um, yeah. Have you have you heard um, Stairway to Heaven backwards? I haven't. Oh, own. Does he play it in that song? No, I don't think he plays it. No, I haven't heard it backwards. No. Yeah, uh, I heard it, and and you, you can't really hear much. It's just gibberish. Oh, mate, you haven't got to convince me. It's absolute rubbish. <laughs> There's no worship in Satan if you play Stairway to Heaven backwards or Black Sabbath I mean, or any other. I mean, yeah, you can you can find satanic speaking in you know anything if you do it backwards, like the Teletubbies theme tune. You know, it's going to be there somewhere if you. You can find satanic it. speaking if you play a lot of songs forwards. You don't no, need to play true. it backwards. <laughs> that's true. There's enough songs by Black Sabbath that talk about Satan. You don't need to play it backwards to get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just save you the trouble. Yeah, that's a bit yeah. crazy. That is crazy. All right, interesting well, there. There was a bit of back and forth on that, but I'll, I'll let you have the point. Yeah. They've got some songs that have got some interesting um, recorded speech over the top. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, is it called Punk Rock? Um, uh, potentially. Um, I think you um, you definitely have a memory for the track name. It's much better than that. On, on Come On Die Young, there's a song called Punk Rock. But okay. the irony is it's not punky at all. What it is, it's a very melancholy, you know, atmospheric, swirly thing. But it's got um, Iggy Pop talking over the top it's it's a oh, right. recording from an in, from an interview and he's talking about what punk rock is I must have um, missed that i don't know how i missed that oh it's it's really cool actually um yeah, i really liked it because because i thought it was a really clever definition this was in the night in 1977 so obviously punk's very um out there um so he said punk rock is a word used by dilettantes and heartless manipulators about music that takes up the energies and the bodies and the hearts and the souls and the time and the minds of young men who give what they have to it and give everything they have to it and it's a term that's based on contempt it's a term that's based on fashion style elitism satanism and everything that's rotten about rock and roll i don't know johnny rotten but i'm sure he puts as much blood and sweat into what he does as sigmund freud did what sounds to you like a big load of trashy old noise is in fact the brilliant music of a genius, myself. And that music is so powerful that it's quite beyond my control. And when I'm in the grips of it, I don't feel pleasure and I don't feel pain, either physically or emotionally. So, That yeah. does, I, I do recognise that. I just think I didn't realise that was Iggy Pop. Yeah, Mr Pop. Mr Pop, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mr Pop. All right, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, it's cool. I like it. Because I guess you could say what they're trying to say is that punk punk rock is just an attitude. It's not a sound, exactly. So yeah. even though it doesn't sound typically punk rock, what they're doing is, it could be argued as punk rock. Well, yeah, it's interesting. You, yeah, it's interesting you raise that point because I've heard Mogwai say that in the, that they consider themselves even though the music is not punk rock they do consider themselves quite punk rocky and yeah in their attitude and you can you can see that though can't you you can yeah, hear it I can. Yeah. some of their albums it's it's very i mean I, I think their first album it's it sounds quite punky in a way and also just the whole just the whole way that they approach what they're doing in that they don't really care too much if, if anyone's listening or whether you like it or not and they're going to mm. do it anyway and yeah and that is you know, that's very much with the punk rock ethos, isn't it? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Awesome. They clearly don't care what people think. Well, I think we've come to a, a natural, a natural ending. So, so what's that score? Oh, do you do you want to go into it? <laughs> Is it? Or should we just brush it under the carpet? <laughs> no, you, it's, you did you... pretty well. I'm going to give you Stairway to Heaven because you struggled a little bit. You had a bit of a bit of a brain fart. 
And um, once you understood the question, you did get it. I'm going to give you that. Kind of being generous. So three out of five. I gave you a really nice fact afterwards, so that that puts it up a bit. So three out of five, not bad, bud. Cool. Okay, better than I thought I'd do. Okay, so it turns out you are not a super fan. Uh, You're only a three out of five. I'm still coming up with names for all of them. I think three out of five is... Oh, I did have something. I should come prepared. I should come come to the party prepared in future. I did I did have something in my mind for, for three out of five. So five out of five is a super fan. I was thinking one out of five, you're barely conscious, because two out of five, I'd said last time, was vaguely interested. So I thought, what's less than vaguely interested? It's barely conscious. Barely so then conscious. <laughs> you got three and four. I think four is you're a, you're a fan, but you're not taking it that seriously. You're a casual fan. And I think f- three is like you'd buy the album. So I think that's where you okay. are. Three out of five, you'd buy an album, and then you'd move on with your life. Yeah, I think that's probably true. But you know who is a super fan? Who's that? John from Christchurch. Ah. He's a mega fan. He's yeah. an absolute monster fan because so he's... He's got, he's got 11 out of five. <laughs> yes. He, he, he didn't answer my... He answered his own questions. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> So when he wrote to us, so he sent us an email, uh, very complimentary of the podcast, um, likes it very much, and he said, uh, I'm a, a massive Mogwai fan to the point of concern. <laughs> yeah, that's what we like to hear. Yeah, which I really like. So yeah, so I had a, had a bit of a chat with John a couple of days ago. He's in uh, Christchurch, New Zealand, so it was really late at night here in order to catch him early in the morning. Let's have mm. a listen to, to how he did. Cool. Hi, John. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Chris. Yourself? <laughs> like, nice it's cordial, start, isn't it? Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hello. <laughs> Sunday morning where you are. It is. It's, it's very early. So and thanks for I, joining us on a Sunday morning. My, my pleasure. I think it's one of the things about living in New Zealand is if you want to interact with the rest of the world, long plane flights and early and late calls. So I nothing guess, out yeah. Of the, yeah, nothing out of the norm for us. But originally you're from? North of England. So born sort of Durham way, grew up sort of there and moved out to New Zealand with uh, family connections. And yeah, really nice place. So, oh, wow. Yeah. We, uh, we're episode three and we've managed to hit three continents. I'm pretty proud of that. That's good. Global. Really, yeah. really global podcast. And you contacted us because you're a, a freak for Mogwai. I don't think I've been described in those terms before, but yes, I think it's one of those sort of problem ones where most of my wardrobe is just Mogwai shirts that I probably have a problem at this stage, yeah. So tell us from the beginning, tell us your your Mogwai history. The first thing is, so I had siblings that were very good at sharing music and getting me into music, and I remember my sister just calling me into her room one day and just saying, listen to this, and played me this amazing piece of music that was off just you remember back in the day magazines you just get the little sampler cd mm. and so it was a select magazines sampler cd and it was uh one of the bbc commissions of new paths to helicon by mogwai and that remains to this day my favorite song and so really from there it grew and sort of of course we that song wasn't released anywhere else, so it kind of got dubbed onto dodgier and dodgier cassettes right. for kind of years to come and just kind of had this sort of mythical status to us. And from there, got into happy songs for happy people, and yeah, the rest is history. Wow. 
And and you said in your uh, your email to us, your words were, you're a massive Mogwai fan to the point of concern. So can you give <laughs> us an example or a story that so we can benchmark you against other super fans? Again, talking about New Zealand, because of course Mogwai are a very amazing live band, but living out here, you obviously have less less chance for that. And so not only the first credit card I ever got was when I was 18 and trying to go over to Australia to see them. And of course, you couldn't pick up your tickets if you didn't have a credit card. But then that got delivered too late. So years later, when they were playing the Sydney Opera House, I engineered a reason to fly from New Zealand to Australia to see them. So went over to the Sydney Opera House, amazing concert. And then just after I'd booked tickets, they announced sort of New Zealand dates. So uh, I think international travel mm. to go to go see a show seems like maybe you should check yourself. Yeah. Before wrecking yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't you haven't yet got a Mogwai tattoo? If if I was more of a tattoo guy, I I would probably already be there. But you know, <laughs> like, like I think that's just yeah. Something that if I get a tattoo, it'll be there. And the trouble is if you're wearing shirts the whole time, why do you need a tattoo? It's already there. You know? Sure. You if you're wearing Mogwai shirts all day every day, then you don't need you don't need a Mogwai it, it, tattoo. Problem solved. And then just, you know, <laughs> sleep and washing it and you're there. What's the, what's the Absolutely. difference? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so quiz time. Uh, we're going to ask you five questions. Or say we. I'm going to ask you five questions. <laughs> you get one point per correct answer, which allows you a maximum of five points. With five points, you can buy yourself the title of superfan if that's what you want. Any less than five points, you'll earn yourself a more appropriate tag, which I'm not going to give away now. Ooh. We'll, uh, we'll come to what they are. I, I, having listened to the last two podcasts that were excellent, I am a little concerned with this, like you say, whether you want that title, because I feel like <laughs> the band Mogwai just would be massively disappointed in anyone who cared this much about the minutiae of a thing, rather than just like, oh, I really like their songs. So, so I, gonna, I don't know. So if you throw it away, then you're, you're going to yeah. think that deliberate. Yeah, I, I think so. Well, good luck. Go. Hope, hopefully you don't waste our time. <laughs> All right, question one. Stuart and Dominic first met at which band's concert? From memory, it's a weird band. I can't remember if it's Ted or Ned's Atomic Dustbin. I think it was at like one of the Glasgow sort of um, unis, student union gigs. But that That's was kind of point. years before they actually... Yeah, a Ted, Ted or Ned's, Ned's Atomic Dust yeah. Band was Ned's the gig. Atomic Dust yeah. Band. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, not a band I've ever heard of, but they're quite good. And not a band anyone's heard of other than Stuart and Dominic, I suspect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah they're a bit weird. They're, kind of, they're a British band, um, and they kind of sound like uh, they kind of sound like a, one of those West Coast ska punk bands from the from the early noughties, but without the trumpets. I, I love that because you're saying that as if that's a point of reference. Everyone, oh, like one of those West Country ska bands everyone knows and loves. Why didn't you say it? Of course, yeah. <laughs> well, give them a listen. They're still going. They must be in their, they must really? be in their sort of, I don't know, late 50s or something now, I'd assume. Wow, I'd and, take um, it all back. I mean, I'll catch you years later for the uh, Dead's Atomic Dust Band Superfan podcast. Superfan cast. All right, good start. Strong start. So question two. What was the name of the documentary Mogwai performed a live score of in Hiroshima in 2016? Uh, Atomic Living in Fear and Dread, I think. The, the Mark Cousins one. Let me, yeah, let me just... Give, I'm going to give you the point. It's, 
I'll give you the point. It's Atomic Living in Dread and Promise. Dread and Promise. There we go. But they just dropped the Living in Dread and Promise, didn't they, for for the album? It's it's a bit foreboding, isn't it? Mm. And it's it's quite because that's a there's some quite beautiful songs on that soundtrack as well. It's really some touching ones. So it doesn't. I guess that's the promise part of the Dread and Promise. But have you have you seen the documentary? I have. It was it was really nice. I mean, it's one of those ones that doesn't. I don't feel it has too much maybe narrative structure, but it's just mm. a beautiful piece that, you know, in, inspires emotions, I guess, as the yeah. music does. So, yeah. Yeah, I saw, a, I saw an interview with Stuart Braithwaite where he was talking about the performance they did in Hiroshima and how he was very nervous about showing the documentary. I mean, it's not their documentary, but, you know, being, being there, giving that live score in front of a you know, an audience having to give a, a bit of a warning beforehand about how... I guess you'd be missing all the cultural context and really wouldn't want to overstep your bounds on... Absolutely. You know, have you have you been to Hiroshima? I have not, no. I, I got the chance and you do go see the sort of atomic bomb dome and sort of museum and it is just like hugely affecting. So I can yeah. I can really see that thing of going in there and actually putting forward something you've, you've made about that would be hugely nerve-wracking and really, yeah, emotive. Well, you're doing bloody good. Two out of two. It's a hundred percent. Two out of two. That is. I can retire here. <laughs> <laughs> There's no option of pulling out. Once you're in, you're in. The <laughs> this wasn't explained to me before I started. <laughs> I thought I could just bail. <laughs> Question three: You've got, you've got in the bag. Question three is: Who in the band owns the Berlin Bar desk gift? That's Barry Burns. I got the chance while visiting to Berlin, and of course, being a massive fan just to swing by the bar to give it a look and they do such a cracking like full scottish breakfast like, <laughs> right it was just exactly what the doctor ordered and you're just sitting there in a beautiful part of berlin super cool city enjoying the best of a breakfast and you're just like things couldn't get better so yeah if anyone goes by there oh yeah not not even for fans of the band I think everyone can enjoy that full Scottish. That was yeah. Is there really any um, is there any recognition in the bar that it is it is Barry's bar? Any Mogwai memorabilia it, or not? Not that I could see. Also, also weirdly, just as a side story, I did actually get the chance to meet Barry Burns in New Zealand when they when they played. All oh, right. And I was I was kind of talking to him about stuff, and he started asking how dangerous certain parts of New Zealand were. Because he kind of, he, he thought Berlin was getting a bit clean or a bit like not, not kind of rough enough and was maybe looking for somewhere new to open a bar that would once <laughs> again be a bit rough, which I really like that. And to my shame, I said, ah, to be honest, it's not, it's not maybe that bad down in Christchurch, New Zealand, which, you know, maybe I should have, you know, just get the full Scottish by saying, yeah, it's a really rough place. Everyone's knifed all the time. But there you go. <laughs> Too nice for Barry. Maybe he just wants to go back to Glasgow. I think maybe that was it. That was sort of the, you know, because Glasgow has this big reputation as sort of, you know, bottling, stabbing central. That I think, yeah, just missing a bit of that roughness, which, I don't know, just kind of funny that that's where you want a business. Like, yeah. <laughs> like no, no, I just want to give security guys work. Like, <laughs> All right, well, you're nailing it. I don't know if I should bother with that, the last two. Don't say that. That's that's setting me up to fail. I'm sure you're going to hit me with a doozy. <laughs> Question four. What is the name of the studio in Glasgow set up by Mogwai? Castle of Doom, I believe is the 
It is the Castle of Doom. Do you know why it's called the Castle of Doom? I I don't actually, because it's a really cool sort of super villain-esque name. Is that the... I have no idea. I, I imagine it's probably something as uh, as complex as that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they do like a laugh, which is quite fun. And if the song titles are anything go by, I don't think names mean particularly much to them other than that. So no, no Castle of Doom point. sort yeah. of fits fits perfectly, I think. There's not much more to say about Castle of Doom, really. Unfortunately, I, I'm not even sure if it's um, if it's still really in operation. Uh, their website that I found looks like it hasn't been updated since 2019. So I'm 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 pretty sure it is. I don't know yeah. if just with COVID and stuff, people aren't recording. Because you know, there's a bunch of bands on sort of rock action label that they record up there. So oh, they do. I think it's okay. going going strong. There's I saw a great tweet of sort of <laughs> we've got our studio. It's got the most expensive speakers in the world and a broken dishwasher. So yes, our priorities are, the, yeah, yeah. I thought that was quite a good summation, but yeah, no, that, that'd be a real cool, cool place to see, you know. Castle of Doom, yeah. Castle of Doom, yeah. All right, well, we sped through these, John. Question five, and this is, this is crunch time now. Oh, no. So I'm, I'm thinking how I can reword this to make it harder. <laughs> thanks, thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you don't want anyone getting super fan, do you? That's what this is all about. You've... This is some sort of art pub argument you're settling that there are no super fans and everyone's a fraud. This is <laughs> no, I'm, I'm so far I'm impressed, but this is this is where all you right. really um you really prove yourself. So question five: Repellish on rave tapes. Features the Reverend Lee Cohen reviewing which song? Oh shit! Is this the this is the classic Satanists in music thing, isn't it? It is. Um, I to be honest, I I wouldn't know what no, song it John. was. If <laughs> if I if I had to guess, which I'm just gonna have to have to throw throw something out there. Oh my god. See, I I was about to say Black Sabbath, but it's probably way more likely that it's a Led Zepp thing. Uh, so, although it's is it it's the back masking, isn't it? <laughs> You're on your it's, own. It's, You're on your own. Yeah, sorry, I'm I'm, I'm the thought process go, going through. It's it's the back mask song with reversed Satanist lyrics, which I'm going to say "Stairway to Heaven" by Led Zepp. Oh wow, it is "Stairway to Heaven" by Led Zeppelin. <laughs> There it is. There it is. <laughs> <Well done>. Which <laughs> that's if if that's what clinched it is is knowledge of some vague classic rock, then I'll take it. I'll, oh, I'll you take it. Absolutely smashed it. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good that all the t-shirts were worthwhile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll go invest some more. <laughs> it was. I must say, it was really hard for me because um, I didn't know Mogwai at all. I really didn't until, oh, until really? you mentioned oh. them. Uh, so the last two weeks has been a journey from from the very beginning. Uh, how how have you found it? I can appreciate I can appreciate Mogwai. There's not <laughs> many albums by them that I think I will listen to after this after this episode is up. In all honesty, there's a couple. Rave tapes is one I really like. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah. I find it's got a bit more meat to it. It's got a bit more variety in the tracks. Uh, quite a few of the albums are not there's not a lot of variation in them for me uh, beginning yep. to end they seem to be on the same level and i know a lot of a lot of uh critics the, the critics always go on about this uh, quiet louder 
feature that, that Mogwai put into a lot of their tracks, but I don't get it. I, I find a lot of their music is very one level, which is fine if you're on that level and that's the level you're looking for. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that. I think the quiet, loud dynamic was something that they made a name for themselves and was maybe a bit of a gimmick in the early years when they had sort of all the sort of, you know, summer and stuff from their first album would be that quite nice, pleasant, and then just hit you with everything or mm. like Herod. But I think even them themselves have sort of went, oh, yeah, maybe, you know, liked Slint and the Pixie sort of stuff and moved on from that. Mm. Um, I don't think it's something they themselves sort of had as a benchmark for their music. So I think everything from, like, happy songs onward doesn't really have that quiet, loud sort of dynamic. And it's interesting you're saying about the albums. It's one of the things I'd sort of say about the band is maybe, I don't know if it's just their sort of editing process. Like you hear a lot of bands talking about that sort of record a lot of material and really edit it down to get a super solid core of songs. And I think that's how a lot of sort of great albums are made that I don't think Mogwai have ever been a band to really care about that level. So yeah. as a massive fan, I probably wouldn't say that they have like one great album that I think it's more just the sort of five out of five songs that they have just so many super exceptional ones, but I don't yeah. think they're a band that necessarily goes, he is start to finish an absolute killer album Yeah. that I was talking to a friend who was trying to get into them. And I was like, to be honest, if I was to say like what their best album would be, it's almost some of their like EP compilations, like EP plus six probably has a bit more variety and sort of, different levels on it that i don't think you know necessarily their studio albums have that yeah. yeah okay yeah i haven't listened to to many of the eps i mean i've listened to, to all the studio albums and uh, a few of the soundtracks and, and actually i should say on soundtracks they've definitely got a sound that i mean that's that's a niche that they fit perfectly into yeah uh, i can see them doing a lot more soundtracks and i, I think their music fit, works well for that some some bands are born to rock, others are born to score, and Bogwai is one of those bands mm. that yeah, this the soundtrack work makes makes a lot of sense. I think there's um I don't know I, I do just like the like turning up one of their songs far too loud and really enjoying the intricacies of it. That I don't think they're necessarily a band that plays that complex parts, but it's the sort of interwoven bits of it that really yeah. really get me going. That yeah, good stuff. All right, well che mm. cheers for the chat. Enjoy the rest of your mm. weekend. Thanks again for having us on. Wow, five out of five. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't give him a big fanfare and say I didn't realize until afterwards, until after the recording had ended, that I didn't say, "Well done, you're a super fan." I hope he recognizes yeah. that we do, we do acknowledge his super fandom. Yeah, next time we need to get some uh, some of those party hooter things, you know, that goes. Yeah, I can add it on in post. <laughs> I won't. I'm not going to. It'll lower the tone yeah. of the podcast. <laughs> As if that was possible. Uh, I almost thought he wasn't going to get that last one. I was. A part of me was like, oh, 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 oh. But yeah, yeah, I think he guessed yeah. it. I think he guessed it. I think. I think when you talk about songs that are satanic in a subtle way, then people usually think of "Stay Away to Heaven." It's got that yeah. uh, connotation around it. Yeah, it's normally Led Zeppelin or Black Sabbath. That's where people yeah. go with it. Yeah, yeah. But he did very well. He had a lot of knowledge, and and as always, talked a lot longer. So there's lots of more content there that we'll um, we'll release via by Patreon once we've got um, once we've got some followers on there. Excellent. Yeah, really Excellent. enjoyed it. And um, and uh, as you say, Matt, he contacted us. So so do contact us. We want people to contact us and suggest 
suggest someone you like and or not like obviously suggest someone that you love and you're yeah. a super fan of and, and we'll look into it yeah absolutely I mean if they're yeah. rubbish we're not going to if they're, if they're completely pants we'll give it a miss but if you sign up on Patreon and then you suggest someone well then you've you know you've got a gun to our head we can't we can't do anything about that can we you've sealed the deal sealed yeah. the deal so if you've got if you're really into a pants band and you think these guys are never going to do it well um, take over do a, do a show I'm takeover sure sign up on I'm Patreon sure we'll, uh, yeah I'm sure we'll try and <laughs> get something out of out of any band that's yeah. recommended yeah, there's this there's this great new invention going around called the internet. Oh, what's that? And there's <laughs> we'll talk about it. <laughs> we'll talk about it. So after all this, yeah, what's your status on on Mogwai? Um, I really appreciate them, and I I would put them on when I'm in the right mood for them, mm. and I might go and see them because they they seem like quite an experience live from what I've seen on YouTube. Um, but I I wouldn't say I'm a big fan, just because I like to have songs that have uh, a bit more of something to cling on to. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, the live stuff is a bit a bit weird. I know that I know that a lot of fans online rave about their live shows, and yeah, um, you know John obviously was uh, was desperate to to see them perform live. But I don't. I mean, they're not performers, are they? They're definitely not performers. Uh, I've seen quite a few live shows where they're just kind of all standing on their spot, where, where wherever their shoes have been glued, looking at the floor. And yeah, um, yeah, I can't see what yeah. what you're yeah. getting from it. But it's 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 the sound. It's the sound. You know, in the yeah. in the atmosphere. Um, if you're interested in in uh, some some really good uh, live stuff, then check out a track called "My Father, My King." which is, it's about 20 minutes long. It was an EP, or just a one-track EP. Um, and they often use that to end their concerts. Um, but y- you will find a full uh, performance of it, or quite a few, actually. Yeah. Um, and it's it's based on a melody from a Jewish prayer um, that, that's used at um, special special festivals. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's almost like a motif that keeps looping looping and looping and looping while the dynamics are going up and down up and down and the effects are changing um and it's actually really impressive and yeah. then there's a point later on when they all seem to stop and then they all come in bang and and, and it's like a jump scare <laughs> i literally jumped out of my skin <laughs> at that point because they were so um synchronized yeah. you know um but it's cool, a really man. cool it's really cool to listen to with the volume up high. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm probably I'm probably in the same place as you in that. Yeah, I definitely appreciate them as as a band, um, and they've got something that not many other bands, uh, not many other bands that are in the. I mean, they're not in the mainstream. They're about. They've got a number one album. They're nominated for the Mercury Music Prize. So I mean, they're not super underground. Um, they've got enough followers, and that's not a genre that is particularly prominent these days um and mm. they've definitely carved out a place for themselves um yeah uh and you know uh, they're doing what they do very well am i going to listen to them yeah. moving forward i'm probably not uh i, I would like to hear mm. their their music on more soundtracks i think yeah, i think that they add something real special to um to a show i think they they, they score stuff really well just on the live yeah. stuff as well 
poor Martin. We didn't really mention Martin at all during the podcast. There's always someone, isn't there, in every episode that we don't mention. Mm. But Martin Bullock, I just want to say, after not mentioning him in the whole podcast, I'm going to say something derogatory. (laughs) Oh, no. But um, he's the most rigid drummer I've ever seen. How do you mean rigid? Do you mean... Like he doesn't look very comfortable. Well, his playing's fine. No, I mean, this isn't a slur on his playing at all. Uh, absolutely. You know, he's, he's a fine musician. Uh, the way he sits at the drum kit, he doesn't look like he's very comfortable. Maybe he needs a new chair. He needs a new, needs a new stool. Or, or perhaps he's got back <laughs> problems to... and he sits in a particular way because he's got back problems. But he just doesn't look very comfortable. He doesn't look like he's he... Tommy Lee. You know, Tommy Lee looks like he belongs behind the drum kit and he sleeps behind the yeah. drum kit. Martin Bullock does. I don't want to. Def- I don't want to define him by this, but um, you know he's he has heart problems, a heart condition, and he oh, has I didn't a, know that. He, he has a pacemaker. Um, yeah, but when um, uh, a few years ago, no, it was two thousand seven on MySpace. They actually, they they managed to to put his old pacemaker on an eBay auction. Because <laughs> no um, he went to he went to surgery to get a new pacemaker. Um, and and all the money would go towards British Heart Foundation. All right. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of like the ultimate music memorabilia. Is uh, is his pacemaker? <laughs> oh wow! No, I didn't know any of that. Yeah. Didn't know any of yeah. that. He's just one of these. He's kind of like the mysterious John Cummings in that he's one of the names that you don't. I don't really see much of. You know, if you if you're googling, um, if you just do a Google search for Mogwai interviews, Bullock is just not someone who I found any. Many, yeah. if any, interviews with he just doesn't. Mm. There's not a lot about him. Yeah, I think he's playing his accent. He's he um he carries the sound uh, so well. You know, you have to yeah. you have to keep time when everybody is is sort of playing without a very strict. Oh yeah, um, when everything else is just a big riff. wash of sound a lot of the time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, he keeps it together. Crucial, crucial. Yeah, yeah. I would. I, I was going to say also. Um, what I do love about Mogwai is um, their talent for song names. Yeah. <laughs> Making really good song names. And I actually, well, in my research, I, I made a list of some of my favourites. Um, <laughs> these are my 12 favourite Mogwai song names. And um, and the, the band have said that they, they don't usually mean anything. Like they don't, they just, they just pick yeah. things that they think is funny. Um, so number one, oh, how the dogs stack up. <laughs> that is good, yeah. Number two, I am not Batman. Number three, stop coming to my house. <laughs> I've missed all of these, actually, so far. Number four, you're Lionel Richie. I know where that one came You know where that one came from? Isn't that what they said when they saw Lionel Richie at the airport or something? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think Stuart saw Lionel Richie at the airport and he said to him, you're Lionel Richie, and the rest <laughs> of the band bullied him for it. Like, that's a stupid <laughs> thing to say to <laughs> He's like, really? Have I? Next one. I'm Jim Morrison. I'm dead. Yeah, that's a bit. Um, Fridge Magic. George Square Thatcher Death Party. Next one. I love you. I'm going to blow up your school. Oh, wow. To the bin, my friends. Tonight we vacate Earth. The sun smells too loud. (laughs) Um, Kids will be skeletons. And the last one. Ceiling Granny. Ceiling Grand is a good song. Yeah, it's cool. It's it sounds very kind of skaterish. Yeah, I like it. It's a really good tune. It's, it's such a shame it's not got vocals on it. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's got it's got a really good fun groove to it. I love it. Just on, uh, I don't want to talk politics at all, but uh, Stuart Braithwaite said one of the reasons he hates Britpop is because it's also Tony Blair. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I don't know what that means, but there you go. That's a little... 
Uh, yeah, you can deconstruct that yeah. however you want. All right. Well, that was good. That was I enjoyed that. Thanks, uh, John, for cool. introducing us to Mogwai. Yeah. Thank that is definitely a, yes. a well done. path I would not have walked if you hadn't got in touch with us. So if anyone out there wants to take us down another strange path, then please <laughs> <laughs> suggest who you're a fan of. How do you do that? You can go down that path. You can get in touch with us with email, superfancast at outlook.com. If you send um, if you send some audio, then we'll include that. Send us feedback. In fact, before we get into this, did we get any feedback from uh, Faith No More? Uh, well, on Facebook, um, there's a follower, Johnny Shields. Uh, he said he got two questions right, plus the bonus one. Uh, I'm guessing he's talking about the John Barry song. Uh, John Barry oh, question. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and he and he seems to show a lot of positive feelings towards us which is nice and he said worth reading small victories by adrian hart which is an excellent biography on faith no more oh yeah i think that um i think doug mentioned that yeah well thanks so Shieldsy. thanks johnny thanks johnny did you call him shieldsy i called him shieldsy yeah okay well, i wonder if his actually. friends call him shieldsy maybe. maybe so we've definitely got one listener haven't we <laughs> shieldsy's listening <laughs> we got some positive feedback from um the the super fan who was originally going to be on the faith no more that's true episode. so if, yeah so the faith no more episode we had um cory had contacted us and and uh, wanted to be on the show and so we'd, we'd planned for that but unfortunately something came up and he wasn't able to make it so doug got to come on the show lucky doug but yeah cory contacted us on on twitter and said he would also have been stumped he said enjoyed the episode uh, would also have been stumped on the fifth question uh. which was uh the Album artwork for Sol Invictus. So sorry, guys. Yeah. If, maybe I, maybe that was too tough. It's your fault, Chris. It's always difficult writing the questions and, and knowing what is, you know, what's too much. Yeah. Because true. I I had true. no doubt that Doug and Corey were both super fans of Faith No More. Definitely. So maybe I made it too tough. So you can contact us on Superfancast on Facebook. Yep. And Superfancast One on Twitter. Superfancast@outlook.com. And if you want to record some audio feedback, then we will include that in the show. But any kind of feedback we'll take. Please don't yeah. be um, please don't be a stranger. Um, and on Patreon.com/slash Superfancast, don't have any patrons yet. But please support the show. Uh, and the big benefit is uh, if you support the show on Patreon at the, at the top tier, then we will get you get you on the episode. If we get a, a few Patreon subscribers, we're going to close those doors, and we'll we'll just be taking the Patreon subscribers. So please do support the show. Until next time, thank you for joining us. We look forward to you joining us again in a couple of weeks for the next deep dive. And that next deep dive is going to be... The Verve. Yes. No, I'm looking forward to that. Really looking forward to that. So a couple of weeks of The Verve to come. And so take a look out for that. Uh, Stay safe. Keep rocking, everyone. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.